0: very quickly. Okay, Uh, we are opening uh, 2024 with a new series through the book of Colossians. The book of Colossians, it's a letter actually, that the Apostle Paul wrote to a particular group of Christians uh, who were trying to follow Jesus. And uh, one of my hopes for 2024 is that we would spend, especially on Sundays, more time through books in the Bible. Uh, In 2023, uh, we preach, of course. Through the Bible, but we did it thematically, looking at different themes. In 2024, we're gonna take a look at maybe three or four, maybe five books in the Bible, and we're gonna, as a community, be reading scripture together. And so for the next six weeks, we're gonna be in the book of Colossians, and I wanna invite you every day, somebody say every day. Every day to read a portion of the book of Colossians. Here is the good news about the book of Colossians, the letter. It's only four chapters. Amen. (laughs) Some of you are like, whoo, praise God for that. Only four chapters. More good news. You could finish reading the book of Colossians in about 20 minutes. In about 20 minutes. Some of you are like, yeah, praise God. I'll sign up for that. But the goal is not just to read through the book of Colossians once and say, did it. Get my check here, I'm all done. No, the hope is that we would allow the word of God to slowly penetrate our hearts. What does that mean? It means there might be a day where you read two verses and you just sit there and go, wow. It might be one day where you read a chapter and you open up your journal and you reflect on thoughts. What are you learning from the scriptures? Or it might be that you are uh, reading through the whole thing in one sitting and then doing it again. And so we want to immerse ourselves uh, in the book of Colossians, there's so much here, and we're focusing on the supremacy and the f- sufficiency of Jesus Christ. To talk about Jesus as supreme is to say there's no one like him. He's the king of kings and Lord of lords. He's, he's beautiful. He's good. He's forgiving. He's gracious. He's compassionate. He is supreme. Amen. And he's sufficient for you. He's your sufficiency. I'm ready to preach already, friends. I haven't even read the Bible yet. I'm already ready to preach here, but He is our sufficiency, and He is supreme, and so we're going to look at the book of Colossians together over the next six weeks. Today, we're focusing on a particular prayer for the Apostle Paul, and I don't know if there is a better way to start the new year than to look at this prayer and make this prayer ours. Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 9 through verse 14, hear the word of the Lord, follow in your Bible, your device, or on the screen. Hear the word of the Lord. Paul says, For this reason, since the day that we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of His will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. Pause here for a second. This is a prayer that we want to be praying for ourselves, but this is a prayer that we want to be praying for others as well. And so as you look at this prayer this week, here's some homework for us. What if we all prayed this prayer every day for people we love? And you fill in their name. We continually ask God that you would fill um, uh, uh, Rosie, that you would fill uh, John, that you would fill whoever with the knowledge of your will. That you would fill me with the knowledge of your will. Let let this be a prayer that we pray this morning. Week, through all wisdom and, and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, uh, growing in the knowledge of God and being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience. And giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people and the kingdom of his lights, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness, amen, and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Let's pray. Jesus, breathe on us through the power of your Holy Spirit. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to receive all you have for us on this first Sunday of 2024. May this prayer be our prayer, Lord. Holy Spirit, would you do something in us as we submit ourselves to Holy Scripture this day? We pray this in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Amen. One of my favorite things, the most impactful, one of the most impactful spiritual things I do on a regular basis is pray the words that other people have penned down. It's really helpful when you can't find the words that you need to speak to God, when you're, when you're wondering what do I say to God at this particular moment, sometimes I need the help of others to help me to pray. This is why I read the book of Psalms because the book of Psalms is the prayer book for the people of God. When I find myself stuck, I read through the Psalms and the psalmist helps me to find words. Ah, that's what I want to say to God. But throughout history, there have been people who have penned down prayers to help them uh, speak to God, but to help others find words to speak to God as well. When I think about some prayers, I think about one prayer by the theologian Reinhold Niebuhr. Uh, Niebuhr wrote a prayer that many of you have on your refrigerator in your bathroom. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. How many of you have seen this prayer? It's, it's everywhere. Hallmark has it. I, they, they took over this prayer. Hallmark took over this prayer. But it's a good prayer for us to to kind of help us uh, name our own longings before God. There's another prayer by uh, St. Francis of Assisi who says, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope, where there is darkness, light, where there is sadness, joy. There's just some wonderful prayers that have been written for us for our benefit, for our spiritual formation, for our life with Jesus. There's another prayer that I came across uh, recently. It's called the morning prayer. And I really identify this with this prayer because it can be prayed with integrity every single morning. The morning prayer starts like this. It says, dear Lord, so far I've done all right. I haven't gossiped, haven't lost my temper, haven't been greedy, grumpy, nasty, selfish, or overindulgent. I'm really glad about that. That's how it starts, but the prayer continues. But in a few minutes, God, I'm going to get out of bed. And from then on, I'm going to need a lot more help. How many can identify with that prayer? It's good the first few minutes. You're doing all right. But when you get out of bed, you're going to need some help. For our spiritual development, we need the prayers, the words of other people to help us find our words and to pray before God. And what we have before us in the book of Colossians chapter 1 verse 9 through verse 14 is a majestic prayer. It's a master class in prayer. If you want to grow in your life with God, this is a prayer that you want to begin with. If you're a new Christian, if you're thinking about following Jesus, this is a prayer that you want to start with. If you've been a Christian for many years, decades, this is a prayer that you want to return to. It's a masterful prayer that the Apostle Paul writes to this church. And what makes it masterful is where Paul is writing from. Paul is not writing from a resort. He's not writing from vacation. He's not writing from Jones Beach. Paul is writing at this moment from prison. He's writing from a very difficult place in his life, a difficult point in his life, and he offers these powerful words. You know, some of the greatest prayers come in times of pain. Some of the greatest, most profound prayers come when our lives are a bit disoriented. When we can't find our way, sometimes the heart speaks and our longings and our hopes are emerged. And this is what happens with Paul. Paul is writing a letter to a church to help strengthen them in Jesus. And these words are to strengthen us in Queens as we seek to follow Jesus in 2024. When Paul begins this letter, he begins with customary language. Back in the day, they would talk about greetings. At every letter that they would begin, they would start with greetings. And Paul has his own greetings, but his greetings tend to be different from how everyone else in the ancient world wrote. Because when Paul began his letter, he always began with two words, grace and peace. When Paul wanted to let people know about uh, whatever God had for them, he began the letter with grace and with peace. Everything Paul did at the beginning started with grace and peace. What if the first thing in the morning when we woke up, the first thing we said to our roommate, the first thing we said to our spouse was grace and peace. What is the first thing after we look at our children? The first thing we say in the morning to them is grace. And peace. When you go to, to work, the first thing you say to your coworkers, the first thing you say to your boss, maybe you say it in your heart because if you said it out loud, they might be weirded out by that. But what if you said grace and peace? What if our lives, the first thing that flows out of our hearts are grace and peace? For the Apostle Paul, these words are really important. Grace, that word grace, so powerful. In Greek, it's, it's charis. That's where we got our daughter's name from, grace. Grace, it's, it's gift, it's, it's joy, it's delight. It's, it's favor. It's acceptance. Paul is saying grace to you, favor to you, acceptance to you, pleasure to you, delight to you, all good things to you. And then he says, peace, shalom in Hebrew and irene in Greek. It's it's a word about wholeness, a word about harmony, a a word about God putting things back together. Shalom to you, grace to you, peace to you. Paul begins with grace and peace. And what our world is longing for is more grace and peace. Our world is dying for grace and peace, longing for grace and peace. And so Paul begins his letter with grace and peace. And after he begins with grace and peace, he thanks God, and then he thanks the people of God for their witness to Jesus. And after he offers these words of thanks, now we're getting into the meat of our message today. Paul begins to pray for this church. And as I've been in this text, I've been praying for you. And I know Jesus is praying these words for us as well. The Holy Spirit is trying to make these words come alive in us in Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. And there's a number of things that's happening in this passage, but I want to focus on three prayers, three specific aspects of prayer that God has for you. That if you take seriously, that if you begin to integrate into your life, 2024 can be a year of profound spiritual maturity, a profound blessing if we take these aspects of these prayers to heart, the first thing Paul prays, the first thing I'm praying for us as a community is that, that, that we would be filled, amen, with the knowledge of God's will. Amen. That we will be filled with the knowledge of God's will. Look at verse nine. Paul, Paul prays that God would fill you with the knowledge of his will, through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. Notice what he doesn't say here. He doesn't say, I pray that you get a little bit of the knowledge of God's will. I pray that you get a little drip and a little drab here. No, he said, I want you to be filled, filled, filled with the knowledge of God's will that the Spirit gives, the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. More than anything, Paul is desiring that the church would be filled with the knowledge of the will of God. And isn't that what you want for your life? To live in the knowledge of the will of God. And this word is important because why, how can we live with the knowledge of the will of God? Because the Holy Spirit Belongs, is lives in people who belong to Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit wants to lead you as you make decisions. The Holy Spirit wants to guide you as you make decisions. The Holy Spirit wants to help you to discern God's voice, God's leading, God's promptings, God's knowledge, God's wisdom, God's will. Now there are many ways to discern the will of God. We need the Bible. We need community. We need time to silence. But what Paul is getting at is there is a resource inside of you, a person inside of you called the Holy Spirit who wants to lead you in the knowledge of God's will. And this is an important prayer to pray because this is an, a prayer that we typically don't pray. This is a prayer that I typically often don't pray. I mean, think about your life. When you do your monthly budget, if you have a monthly budget, if you don't, there's a class for that that's coming later on, but if you don't have a monthly budget, do you ever pray, Lord, as I think about my money, as I think about how I'm going to spend it this week, I want to be filled with the knowledge of your will as to how I'm going to manage my budget this year. It's often the case where we just go through the motions and do whatever we have to do, and there's no thought that's given to it. Maybe you're graduating from high school soon. The hope would be that you would say as you're about to graduate high school, Lord, may I be filled with the knowledge of your will as I think about what's next for me. Maybe you're graduating college, leaving university, but maybe the prayer should be, Lord, as I'm about to embark upon this new phase in my journey, I want to be filled with the knowledge of your will. Some of you, you're thinking about whether you should stay at your job, whether you should retire, whether you should go to another place. What if we prayed, Holy Spirit, I want to be filled with the knowledge of your will, with all the the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. And yet, I know that this is not the default way that we live. That from time to time, we need to be redirected by the Holy Spirit Because we've already prayed, my kingdom come, my will be done. And we need to be redirected by the Spirit. Now, when I think about being redirected by the Holy Spirit, I think about um, an image that comes to mind, a particular voice comes to mind. You know, now that we have on our smartphones uh, maps and Google Maps and all the other stuff there that you just plug in your phone in your car and it takes you wherever you need to go. And and if you have the kind of car that the, the map shows up on your screen, it's pretty nice nowadays, right? because it wasn't always like this. There was a time where we had uh, something like called a GPS, like something that wasn't connected to your phone, a little, a separate device. And even before that device, do y'all remember MapQuest? Do you remember MapQuest? <laughs> C- can somebody, I mean, some folks don't know about MapQuest, the amount of ink that we used. And what happened if you didn't have a printer at home? It's a nightmare. It's a nightmare. And then the person next to you is flipping through the pages. You were supposed to turn left. You know, you're supposed to turn left. Just terrible. And before MapQuest, it was just maps. You know what I'm saying? Just the straight up maps. We got it pretty easy right now. But just a few years ago, technology is advancing very quickly, there was something called like a, a GPS, where you put it in there, and, and then when you made a wrong move, you heard this passive-aggressive kind of voice of, uh, of, of shame saying, recalculating. <laughs> you remember that word? Recalculating. And it was said so smugly, like, recal- like, like I know you've gone the wrong way. Recalculating. So I, I thank you for the recalculations, and then... Over and over, sometimes I wonder the Holy Spirit every day is going, recalculating. (laughs) But not with condemnation, with with goodness, with love, with compassion, but with truth, recalculating. You went this way, you're supposed to go that way. You're, You're saying, my kingdom come, instead of God's will be done. I need to redirect your path. Paul prays for this church that they would grow in the knowledge of God's will. And yet, why don't we pray this? There are a number of reasons why we don't pray this. Four minimally come to mind. They all start with the letter F, so I can help you remember this. The first reason we don't pray this is because of of a this is more of a cultural phenomenon. A phrase that I heard from a Quaker author named Parker Palmer. He talked about something called functional atheism. Functional atheism. What is functional atheism? The very simple uh, definition of functional atheism is that it is the, the unconscious, unexamined conviction that if anything decent is going to happen here, we are the ones who must make it happen. A conviction even held by people who talk a good game about God. Let me make it even more plain. An atheist doesn't believe that in the existence of God. An atheist doesn't believe that a God exists or that we should be in relationship with this kind of God. But what happens when you do believe in God? What happens when you do go to church? What happens when you are a follower of Jesus, but you're not asking for direction? You're not living as if Jesus is truly here. I'm not living as if Jesus is truly here. It's functional atheism. It's I'm functioning as if I'm an atheist because I'm making decisions however I want to make decisions. And so one way, one of the reasons we don't ask for the will of God Is because we have just, we're doing fine, thank you very much Another reason we don't ask for the will of God Or, or knowledge for the Holy Spirit to give us Is because of fear, that's the second F Because we, we are scared, aren't we? If I pray your will be done Where's God gonna take me? What is God gonna allow to happen to me? What are the conversations? What's the, what's the path that God has for me? And so instead of praying this with courage and with confidence, we're afraid. And so I'm not going to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, because God, where are you going to take me? And so often in our mind, what we have in our mind is an image of a sadistic God who just can't wait to make your life a living hell. But that's not the God who Jesus reveals. The God Jesus reveals is good. Good. Is marked by compassion, mercy, but at the same time, as C.S. Lewis said, this God is not safe. This God is good, but this God is not safe. So you might be in areas that you're going to need something from the Holy Spirit. You might be in areas that are uncomfortable and a bit strange, but God is good. And yet it is fear that often keeps us from praying, I want to be filled with the knowledge of your will. It's often the case, thirdly, that of our fast-paced culture, that we don't pray to be filled with the knowledge of God's will. I know what it's like, you know what it's like to go from one thing to the next and not to pray, to go from one thing to the next, to have our lives to be so crowded and so full and so fast that there's no time to even ask what God's will is. And so I wonder to what degree are we invited to slow down, to say, Lord, what do you want to do in my life? What are you saying to me right here, right now? What are you saying to me as a parent? What are you saying to me in my finances? What are you saying to me at this career? What are you saying to me at this moment of my life? What am I supposed to be giving my life to and giving my energy towards? But when you live a fast-paced culture and live according to that, there's no time to be filled with the knowledge of God's will. But fourthly, why don't we ask for this? Because we're already fixated on what we're gonna do. It's it's my kingdom come. When I was teaching my daughter Karis how to pray the Lord's Prayer, and she was four years old, her words were, My kingdom come, I will be done. And I was like, That's exactly right. That's what will happen to you if your kingdom comes. You will be done. My kingdom come. But we tend to be so fixated. I know what I want. No one can convince me otherwise. Which is why there's a wonderful prayer out of what's called the Ignatian tradition that whenever you're thinking about discerning God's will, whenever you're wondering, should I do that job or take that job? Should I continue in this relationship or should I not continue in this relationship? Should I move or should I stay? Should we say yes to this? Should we say no to that? Whenever you're thinking about making a big decision, out of this tradition, they said there's something called the prayer of indifference. Which basically means it's a prayer of openness. Helping you to be honest with yourself about how open you really are to the will of God. And so on a scale of one to 10, one being I'm not open at all, and 10 being I'm very much open, it's a really helpful way to think about and be honest with ourselves and be honest with others. Whenever I've led staff meetings, there have been times as a pastor where I've said, uh, should we go in this direction, should we go in that direction? And I gather the team around me, and there are times, whether with our board or whether with our team, that I've asked a question, how indifferent are we? In other words, do we already know what we want, and we're not open at all? Or are we very much open? And when we're honest with ourselves in a relationship like that, it just makes conversation so much better because there's no hidden agendas anymore. We know what the agenda is. And someone's able to say, you know what, I'm not really open, if I can be honest right now. Or I'm very much open. But wherever you're at on the journey, the prayer is, Lord, would you make me open? That, Lord, I might not be open right now, and some of you came into church, you already decided what you're gonna do. You're not open to anything. And it just might be that the Lord is saying, I want you to be open to the knowledge of my will. If we are going to begin 2024, Paul has it for us right here. We begin with knowledge of God's will. That's the first prayer. The second prayer that Paul has for the church and I have for you and God has for us is that, number two, that we would be strengthened with power. Amen. Strengthened with power. And, and I love this prayer because Paul knows something about Christians and Paul knows something about human beings. And it is this from time to time, you're going to get weak. Amen, somebody. Listen, for some of you, we're in January 7th. You're already weak. You're just like, how did this happen? I thought I should be having more hope and more joy and more strength. Seven days into 2024, you are already weak. Can I get a witness? You're already like, I thought this year was going to be different than 2023. And seven days into it, it's the same thing. You're feeling weak. And Paul has good news for us that God's power in Jesus Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, is available right here, right now. How wonderful is that? That you don't have to operate in your own power, that there are spiritual resources available to you right here, right now. And so this passage helps to relocate the source of our power, the source of our strength. In other words, it's very easy to live a life feeling empowered by what we do, empowered by our connections, empowered by our wealth, empowered by our education, empowered by our achievement. Lots of us find strength and consolation in the things that we have, in the things that we do, in the people that we know. But at some point in our lives, there are challenges that come your way that no association, no network is going to help you with. There are times when challenges are going to come your way, that no matter how much money you have is not going to work. There are going to be times when challenges come your way, that your degree and your achievement and your accomplishments will only take you so far. And when you are at an end to yourself, you can open yourself up to the Holy Spirit's power. That God's power is radically available to you right here and right now. And so Paul says, I'm praying that you would have power, but notice the end of the power. The power that Paul gives us is not simply that we can feel physical strength. The power that Paul says is available to us in the Holy Spirit is not simply that we can fall on the ground and get back up again. Paul has a particular goal with the power of God, and the goal is endurance and patience. Help us, Lord. Filled with power for what? Endurance and patience. How many of you need the power of God today for endurance and patience? Because we live in a world that's not marked by endurance and patience. It was Eugene Peterson who said that we live in an impatient, short-cut Addictive culture. We live in an impatient, shortcut, addictive culture. And instead of our lives being marked by endurance, by the strength that God gives, it's impatience. And I understand this. It was the church father Tertullian who said that all sin, or perhaps original sin, can be traced back to one thing impatience. Think about the ways you've sinned against others, sinned against God, people sin against you. Isn't it so much rooted in impatience? I want, I want it now, I want it now. I'm gonna make a decision right now. He says you could trace so much of our brokenness in our world to impatience. And so in 2024, here's Paul's prayer for you. Here's my prayer for you. Here's Jesus' prayer for us that you would have power to endure that you be patient. May God help us. Because for some of you right now, you came to church, and you feel like you are at your end. But here's good news, God has power for you. Some of you came to church, you're ready to give up. Ah, good news, God has power for you. Some of you said, I don't know about this Christianity thing, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back to whatever I was doing before. Ah, God has power for you right here, right now strengthened with power then third paul prays that we would be filled with the knowledge of god's will don't you want that paul says that you would be strengthened with power don't you want that then he says thirdly that we would offer joyful thanks that our lives would be marked by joyful thanks giving joyful thanks to the father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light when Paul says giving joyful thanks he knows something Paul did not have data uh, at that time to understand the psychological implications the way that we understand it today Paul did not have particular data to help us understand that when you practice joy the wires in your brain uh, they get rewired that that your body is able to to, to be self-regulated a little bit more that There is a heightened sense of joy, a heightened sense of well-being when you practice thanksgiving. Paul didn't know that, but that's true. Gratitude, thanksgiving is, is joyful acknowledgement that I have received gifts from God. And when our lives are marked by gratitude and joy, our lives are now filled with God in new profound ways. But why do we give joyful thanks? Paul is very specific here. We give joyful thanks because God has qualified you. Oh, praise God. God has qualified you to share in the inheritance. I don't know what kind of family you came from. Maybe some of you you might not get an inheritance. You might not get something. Maybe you came from a broken family where you're not gonna, you can't receive something that will go, be passed on from one generation to the next. No matter where you find yourself, no matter what family you came from, in Christ Jesus, you have been qualified to share an inheritance. That God has something for you. And aren't you glad that it is God who does the qualifying? Amen, Teddy. Aren't you glad? I needed an amen from somebody. Aren't you glad that God has qualified you? Aren't you glad that you don't qualify yourself? And aren't you glad that your sins don't disqualify you? Aren't you glad that it is the grace of God that qualifies you to receive the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of lights? The devil might try to disqualify you, but Jesus has qualified you. His blood has qualified you. His grace has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of his light. And it continues, for he has rescued us, praise God, from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Why do we give thanks? Because in Christ Jesus... Your sins have been forgiven. Amen. If anyone understands how broken some of you came into church today with all kinds of troubles, all kinds of addictions, all kinds of struggles, all kinds of battles, all kinds of self-hatred, All kind, you've made mistakes, you've hurt people, you've sinned against God. To those of you who are feeling especially burdened today, especially guilt-ridden today, what an opportunity to confess our sins and receive the forgiveness that comes through the grace of God in Christ Jesus. Why do we give thanks? Because God has forgiven us of our sins. That he doesn't hold it against us that he's offered freedom and wholeness and joy and strength and peace, grace and peace to you from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. Let's pray together. Let's pray together. Amen. I wonder about our prayer team, our worship team. And those who are going to be offering and serving communion to come to our respective places. Lord, thank you for the gift of your word. Thank you for the prayer of the Apostle Paul that we can make our own. Thank you for the life of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the goodness of your gospel. Thank you for forgiveness of sins. Thank you for a new inheritance. Lord, thank you. And I pray that this word would find deep resonance in our souls. That we would rejoice in all that we have received in you. Lord Jesus, may we live with confident hope that you can fill us with the knowledge of your will. Thank you that we can live strengthened by your power. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that we can live with joyful thanks. We thank you for your word this day. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said, amen. 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 Let, me, let me invite you to stand.